0: This podcast is brought to you by Cougar Radio.
1: What's going on guys? This is Ray Torres Show. Welcome back to another week of the Torch Report. Today we have our very own assistant principal, Mr. Kronk. Mr. Kronk has been assistant principal here at Kennedy for a little bit over a year, and he played three years of varsity soccer in Newfield High School and was a three-year starter at St. Joseph's College in Patchogue. He played 13 years of club youth soccer. These clubs are the Newfield Soccer Club, Terryville Soccer Club, Sachem Soccer Club. Throughout his career, he accomplished many feats in high school. Mr. Conk received all-conference and defensive MVP in 1994, and he won two league league championships in 1992 and 1994. In college, he was an all-conference team MVP and team captain in 1997. He was also a team captain in 1998. In his time in college, he won three Hudson Valley Men's Athletic Conference Championships. In 2006, Mr. Kronk started his teaching career at William Floyd Elementary School for 11 years until he became a special education education chairs person for the William Floyd School District until 2021, where he was a special education chairs for Massapequa for a year. In 2022, he moved to John F. Kennedy High School and he's been here ever since. How are you feeling today, Mr. Kronk?
0: Feeling great and very happy to be here. Excited to uh, talk to you. Talk a little sports. You know, uh, it's been a great year so far. Fun watching. I. Uh, you out on the field all the boys playing football and all the teams being successful this year so uh, great start to the school year
1: yes definitely so we'll start off with soccer definitely a very impressive soccer resume let's start off with just your experience playing soccer and how it affected your life and memories you have from the sport
0: sure you know uh, soccer teaches quite a bit of lessons it's a, you know it's a game of attrition is that you really have to work hard all the time you're playing 90 minutes out there and um, you know, it's really who's, who's got the most gas in the tank to win games most of the time. And, um, you know, it's also about the people that you play with, uh, you know, sharing the same goals and the leadership that you have in your coaching. So, uh, you know, I was very fortunate in my younger years playing club soccer and, uh, you know, working with great coaches and going through high school at Newfield High School and having a great uh, coach and a mentor to uh, really motivate me to move my career onto the next level in college.
1: How was your college I mean, back to high school, sorry. You won co- all-conference and defensive MVP in 1994 and then two league championships all in high school. How were those? You guys definitely had a talented team. How did it pan out, especially teammates? As you guys have other guys who went on to play college and pro?
0: So my uh, my high school career was very interesting, actually. I started going to uh, Center Reach High School in ninth grade, and I wound up transferring to Newfield. It's a very similar district to ours where we have multiple high schools. So my first year I played at Center Reach High School, and – it was a great experience, great coaches, great players. But a lot of my friends went to Newfield, so I wound up transferring there. And a lot of the kids that were on my varsity soccer team were on my club soccer team, so it just made sense for me to go there. And um, you know, the players that were ahead of me, that were older, that were seniors when I was a tenth grader, were just outstanding. Some of the best in the nation, and uh, it was great to learn from those players and mentor, be mentored by them. And that really, really made a big difference in my career in high school in soccer because. It was just tough to keep up with them out on the field. And, um, you know, as many young players will see, uh, you really want those kind of mentors out there to make you the best player that you can possibly be, and it drives you to higher expectations.
1: Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Definitely hit the spot there. Um, a lot of your teammates go on to play professional or
0: so I had a lot of, a lot of players that I played with, um, they went on to play in college. Um, I do keep in touch with quite a few of them, actually. And that's the greatest thing about high school sports is, um, you know, the bonds that you make with the players. I still talk with almost every single one of the starters that I played with at Newfield High School. They're great people. They're very successful in their life. And I think that's kind of what soccer taught us was to be the best that we can be in anything that we do. And, um, you know, four of my, uh, starters, I still keep in contact on a weekly basis, so um you know that's really the biggest thing that happened with me with high school soccer
1: so how did the recruiting process work for you to go on and play in college for yourself
0: so you're probably going through this right now i'm sure you know it's a it's an interesting process and back then it was a little bit different than it is now um you know i was recruited by a few different colleges um stony brook university Cortland. Um, St. Joseph's College in West Virginia, and all of them had different divisions and things like that. But what it really came down to was, you know, am I going to play pro when I get older? I didn't think that I would, to be quite honest with you. I thought I was a very good player, but I didn't think I was at that level. And I wasn't sure that's the direction I wanted to go in my life because soccer was not as popular back then. Um, So it really came down to the coach. And, um, you know, when it came down to it, St. Joseph's College, was the place that I needed to play. The coach was not only on the phone with me every single week, but speaking to my parents every single week, and he really wanted me to be there. And that was really the selling point. And one of the bigger selling points, and and this goes for anyone that's going in college, is know what you want. You know, um, if you want to, if you know you want to play every single minute of every game, you have to make a decision of where you want to go. Um, you know, if you're going to go Division One, sometimes that happens for younger players, but sometimes you have to wait for the next seat on the bus to play and. Um, you know, When I was at St. Joe's, I, I had a very good feeling that I was gonna play every minute of every game and that's what wound up happening in my career from the first day I played to the last day I played.
1: Yeah, definitely. You definitely had a impressive college career for soccer, team MVP, team captain. Um, how did your soccer career pan out like record wise and you guys win any big playoff games or any of that kind of stuff
0: so when i started off at st joseph's college um it was interesting it was the first year that i played was the first year that they entered into the division three they were in naia uh before that and that's something that people really don't hear that often it's such a small conference so we just started off in division three so it was very difficult for us to actually get into the ncaa tournament because you have to establish yourself as a team so uh, we were in the Hudson Valley Men's Athletic Conference and uh, you know our records were typically 17 and three in a season 18 and two, and we just kind of walked through uh, our division. But you know, being the first time that we were in Division three, it was very difficult to get into the tournament. Um, the year after I uh, graduated, the team made the ECAC tournament in Division three, which is a big big step for the program. and um, you know now, my highlight now is going back to games now because I still keep in contact with the team and now they've got beautiful establishments which we didn't have part of our soccer field was playing on a baseball field so uh, it was definitely different for us back then but I'm glad that the players now get to reap the benefits of everything that our soccer team and all the other teams at St. Joe's did to really build the athletic program there.
1: Yes, yeah, so you were a team captain of the soccer team how does how do you kind of lead your guys being a captain how do you Lead a soccer team at the next level, especially at the next level.
0: So there's a there's a lot of different types of leaders, and Ray, I'm sure you being you know the athlete that you are, you've been around a lot of captains. You were a captain this year, and um, you know you were certainly a leader by example. But you also set the tone for your team. I I would definitely say that I was a leader by example. That you know I was definitely going to be the person that's going to make sure that everyone worked as hard as they could, just because of the example that I would lead. Um, you know, I, I was the type of leader that would sacrifice my body for a win. And unfortunately, I'm paying the, uh, the penance for it now because my body hurts like anything. But, um, you know, that's just the person that I was then, and that's the person I am now. And, I, you know, I wish I could still play right now, but I don't know if my body can handle it or if my wife would let me do it.
1: <laughs> always uh, probably other men's leagues. You could always coach.
0: That, oh, that I did. Coaching was a, was a big, big part of my life. Um, you know, after... I lived down south for a little bit, and when I moved back uh, from living down south, I really got into coaching, and um, that really guided my life for a long time. From the time I got into education, I was coaching at the same time. So, you know, I was the type of person I was at work at six o'clock in the morning teaching, and then, uh, you know, coaching until about nine o'clock at night for almost probably 15 years.
1: Yeah, so how does coaching and being team leader and all this captain, how does that, did it influence your past? path to becoming an assistant principal or teacher?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, it's a great question, Ray. Um, you know, I think everything that you do in your life is going to guide where you go. Um, I think coaching and soccer has paid, played a very, very big role in my life is that, you know, I, I always wanna pay tribute to the people that led me. Uh, one of the best coaches I ever had in my life was uh, Don Russo from Newfield High School. And he was a no nonsense person, expected everyone to be at their top level at all times. And, uh, you know, the greatest thing about working with a person like him was actually coaching against him and seeing the pride in his eyes, seeing someone like myself and many other people that he coached, um, you know, reaping the benefits of what he did and what he gave to us when we were in high school. So, uh, you know, it, it really, everything that I learned in soccer drove me to be the best that I can be. And I've, I'm always looking for that next step to move up and uh, you know, that kind of guided my life in education. I started off as a teacher, and then I always said, what's next? What's the next thing that I want to do with my life? And then that made me want to become a CSE chairperson and, you know, help out more people. And then I always asked myself, how can I help even more people? And then I got my administrative degree. And, you know, I've been very lucky working at Massapequa, right now being at JFK, working with as many people as I do and everyone that's here. So, uh, you know, coaching and soccer has really guided my life and got me to where I am today.
1: Yeah, would you ever want to coach here at Kennedy, maybe? Because we did have a very impressive uh, conference champions for the soccer team. We got a
0: great team. The boys did a great job this year. They did a great job last year. Coach Bisk is doing an amazing job with the team. Um, He's done a great job. Uh, I don't know if I could do a better job than he (laughs) could do, but, you know. Anytime I could work with a soccer team is something I would always look forward to. I don't know if I'd be able to coach the soccer team because of uh, contractual rules, but uh, it would be a lot of fun to be able to do that with the boys. You know, we get out there quite often. We get to see the games just like every other team. And, uh, you know, it's fun to get out there and just do like a pregame speech with the boys. You know, that's always a good time because I think they appreciate that.
1: Yeah, so during your coaching career, you coach some potential Olympic players. How is it like seeing them grow into becoming really good soccer players.
0: So, you know, when, when I got to, I got to work with the Long Island Junior Soccer League in their Olympic developmental program. And it's a great program. Um, you you have quite a few kids that go through the program. It's uh, some of the best players that'll play on Long Island. They try out for a summer select team. And, um, you know, you travel across the United States, you go overseas and things like that. And the, the kids get a lot of good experiences. So, um, you know, th- I, I haven't really seen a lot of those players since then. It's, I, I was coaching them back in 2007, 2008. But you know, w- one of the greatest things about that experience was just seeing this high level of players coming together and becoming a really good team in, in a short amount of time. Uh, that was a pleasure to watch. And I know a lot of those kids did move on to high level Division One teams and got to uh, got to play. As far as professionally, I'm not quite sure, but. Um, you know, they were fantastic players, and it was a pleasure working with them.
1: Yeah, so we asked Mr. Holmberg about what, what he thinks we should do with our Olympic team in the U.S. What do you think? What, what are your thoughts on the well, team?
0: I, I'm going to tell you this. You're not going to find a person that knows soccer much better than Mr. Owenberg. And, you know, I got to re- listen to his podcast, and he nailed it. It's, it's really about, you know, continuing with what's going on. Um, you know, when you compare us to teams that are overseas and what they do, uh, you know, we're starting to match that model a little bit more. Um, I think club trainers are becoming a very big thing where uh, youth uh, players are not being coached by parents anymore. You know, when Mr. Owenberg and I grew up together, well, not together, but, um, you know, when we played soccer at a younger age, um, it was a lot different. Your, your father coached you, you know, so, you know, father's friend coached you. It was a lot different. Now you have professional trainers that are certified trainers, which is making a big difference in soccer. And you're seeing the growth in the United States. So. Uh, you know, it's it's fun watching the United States soccer team play now because they're playing at a much, much higher level than they ever have before. I think if they can stay with some consistency with coaching and not rotate coaches too much, I think you're probably going to see a lot of growth with the, with the U.S. And, you know, uh, the next World Cup is going to be in the United States. So it would be nice for the U.S. to get that victory.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been a while, too, so. That'd be nice. We asked Mr. Owenberg the same question, but who would win in a soccer match? Just you and Mr.
0: Owenberg? Oh boy, that's a that's a that's a good question. And I think Mr. Owenberg probably nailed it as well is that he and I were two different types of players. I would definitely say that Mr. Owenberg is uh, you know he's a very, very tactical player, a very smart player, and probably more of a finesse player than I was. So I think it would be a great challenge to see us play each other. If it were to happen now, I would definitely give him the uh, the, the uh, odds on that for sure. Um, I think if we played against each other, I think it would probably be a very tough game. <laughs> all right, so I
1: we have one more question for you, and we all know, well, we don't, but I know that your favorite NFL team is the Las Vegas Raiders. It's, they switched it around, though, the past two weeks. What was it like, you know, did you want McDaniels to get fired? What was your thought process with them?
0: So it was tough, and you know. Why are you a Raiders fan? Why? Yeah, that's a good question, too. I think it came back to the year where Bo Jackson played for the
2: Raiders, and that's a long
0: time. It's well before your time, I'm sure. But, yeah. uh, you know, everyone knows of Bo Jackson, you know, um, from Nike and all that. I think that's what really got me onto the Raiders. But I also love the mentality of it. It was like that tough-nosed, gritty player, hard-nosed, and that's kind of who I was when I was a player you know, I definitely wasn't that, you know, finesse player in any sport that I played. So uh, that really like got me onto the team. And it's been difficult. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like being a Jet fan right now. And I think yeah. a lot of people that are Jets fan can understand what I'm saying. Um, you know, seeing the changes that they're making right now. So, you know, it's tough to make a mid season change, but I think moving on from Josh McDaniels was the right thing. You know, I'm sure you heard of the reports of what was happening in the locker room and how players weren't happy. And, um, you know, now Antonio Pierce comes in and he is just knocking it out of the park. And it's not about how much, you know, sometimes it's about how you motivate players as a leader. So, you know, hopefully the Raiders uh, can keep it together. Aiden O'Connell's quarterback in the team right now. He's doing okay. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs is going to start picking up. We got Devontae Adams. So, uh, and you know, hey, I know you guys are a couple of uh, New York fans in here. So, uh, Raiders got a couple of wins over New York teams over the past couple of weeks. So, can't say I'm not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, don't Probably even. can upset a couple of people too, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't even get me started on the Giants. But, uh, I don't
0: know. What are, what are your thoughts on the Giants?
1: Um, just disappointed. I was really excited for the year. I thought we finally brought in some solid weapons. I thought the O line was going to take a step up, but everything just went bad. And I not think. I think Dable should definitely stay the coach. I think he's good. He just hasn't been as aggressive as you, he usually is. Last year, definitely more aggressive. This year, not so much. They're a couple plays away, though, from having two to three more wins. You know, the, that Bills game, a couple other games, but it is what it is.
0: What do you think about Jones for next year?
1: I think you got to keep him. You know, you can't sign him to a four-year deal, and then he tears his ACL, you can't get rid of him. Unless you have the first pick, but yeah. I still don't even know.
0: So what do you, if you guys have a top draft pick, what do you go for if you're the coach?
1: I think you got to take Caleb Williams, though. Yeah. He's just phenomenal. I mean, I've been watching football so long, and – just watching him play every week. His defense can't do the job for him, but when he, when he's on, he's really good. And people are saying he's going to be the next Mahomes. So. Well, that, that,
0: you can't pass up on that. Yeah,
1: you can't pass up on that.
0: I was kind of hoping the Raiders were going to lose for that reason. You kind hasn't been bad,
1: though. I mean, I thought he would be worse. I thought Jimmy G was going to be decent with Adams. But back to Antonio Pierce, um, I really like the way you said the Raider way. I think he follows that so well he's just a tough guy he's a leader and he gets the ball in his best player's hands he said that too yeah you
0: know, and, and that's what you have to do when you have a player like Devontae adams yeah. you know you have to get the ball in his hands you got to find multiple ways and even if a team is scheming it defensively for a week and trying to figure it out you got to get the ball in his hands somehow so it's good to see that start happen i think that's probably going to start happening a little bit more and you know raiders are five and five and they just got to go one game at a time just like any team just don't look too far ahead just look one game ahead
1: one and zero oh every week. That's it. Yep. All right. All right. Thanks for coming on. All right. Great interview. It's
0: been a pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot.
1: All right. We're gonna talk some more sports with my broadcasting teacher, Mr. Seedman. He's here. We're gonna talk some football, some baseball, some basketball. How you feeling today?
2: How are you feeling today?
1: I feel pretty good after the Giants win. Unfortunately, I'm gonna go one and one in fantasy big week. I had to go two and zero, oh, but the Giants won. I don't really know how I feel about it. I'm happy and I'm not happy because it'd be nice to get a high pick since we're not mm-hmm. really going to do anything. And there's no way we're going to win seven straight games, so.
2: Oh, you're right. That's true. Uh, that That's the tough thing with football, that there's no lottery and, and you really have to lose to get those top picks. But then again, look at the Jets. They they lost a lot of games, got the second pick overall, and yeah. it looks like their their second pick uh, from three years back isn't going to play another game for them.
1: And... um. That Rams game, you guys almost lost. You guys pulled out that win. That would have gave you the first pick if you guys lost that game. I remember that, yep. And it now, ended up being the Jaguars, <laughs> and they got Trevor Lawrence, who looks like mm-hmm. he's going to be their franchise guy. For well,
2: it. yeah, I, I, he he's definitely a franchise guy. And listen, we may have discussed it on here. Zach Wilson may, be, may have been a good quarterback if he wasn't drafted by the Jets. And I'm not necessarily blaming the Jets, but it, a lot of this is a matter of circumstance in his rookie year. I don't know if you recall this during that offseason, the quarterback coach for the jets passed away in a biking accident. Um, he's, he had some injuries uh, and I'm not making excuses for him. I, 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 it, it always baffles me. and, and again, I'm a little older than you, but it always baffles me when when these high picks like a Ryan Leaf or a um, Jamarcus Russell, right, come out of college and are just complete busts, right? I, I don't know if that's an indictment on teams and, and or the media and the way media hypes some of these players, or I don't know, or I don't, you know, I just, I don't know if... Teams don't know how to build a system around certain quarterbacks. Now, I'm not an X's and O's person. I know you get X's and O's probably better than I do, but but as someone who follows sports, it it is it is still weird to me when 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 great players in any sport, but in this case, football, fail this way. Yeah. And this was a complete failure.
1: I wouldn't call him a complete bust because. You have to give him some credit with the systems, with Aaron Rodgers coming in with all mm-hmm. that, not really having his number one guy until Garrett Wilson came in. I wouldn't call him a complete bust. I think a lot of it is the media. They blew him up after that one throw at his pro day. And let's be real, he wasn't playing against the greatest college football competition. He's not playing in the SEC at BYU. Right. So, I mean, was he a top five pick? Probably. He's He was very talented at BYU. But I don't think – I think the media blows him up more than really what he was. And – that pro day throw you know but I still think like I think there's still room out him where if he wasn't on like the 49ers I think he'd be really good
2: well the 49ers With are the team are that's also, by one of the best exactly. offensive minds in, in the in, in the NFL right now so listen I mean they have Brock Purdy start he's the third string quarterback and yeah. he's playing like a top I would say definitely top ten, top 10 quarterback yeah, right now, right? So uh, a lot of it is the system, and, and you know, I wasn't a big fan of, of firing Lafleur last year as the offensive coordinator. I, I I always thought the defense at least looked more creative and more imaginative, imaginative than it did under Gase or prior coordinators. Um, but I I also felt part of the reason they fired him is because they knew Aaron Rodgers was a reality and LaFleur's brother coaches in Green Bay and I, I don't know if there was a conflict there um but uh Zach Wilson don't forget there was talk when Zach Wilson was coming out of college that the Jets could keep Sam Darnold and get a load of draft picks from teams so it wasn't just the Jets and it wasn't just the media hyping him. Yeah. I, the, the the rumor always was that the, the Jets could have gotten a lot of picks for Zach Wilson.
1: I do think a big part of it, though, sorry to cut you off, I do think a big part of it is the coaching. The Jets are known to not have their stuff mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Let's be real. They're mm-hmm. known. So I think part of it is the Jets. Why didn't Sam Darnold work out? Why right. did You know, it's like it's absolutely. And the Jets ha- also haven't had a franchise quarterback in forever. I, so they've,
2: they haven't had a franchise quarterback probably since Joe Namath. Yeah, exactly. Um, even even in the Rex Ryan years, when when they made two AFC Championship games, it, it was it was sort of the same formula. The difference was the quarterback was maybe a level or two better than Zach Wilson, but Mark Sanchez, Sanchez wasn't great. Yeah, he was, but he was he was he was, he was serviceable. Yes, and not. But but uh, and I'm not making excuses. But again, they had a terrific offensive line. It was stable. Ferguson Mangold, right. The, the the Jets have started about twelve or thirteen different people on that offensive line this year, and I'm not making excuses. Yeah. As a coach, you need to be able to, to draw plays and and create a system that works with a, a weak offensive line. Um, we saw it yesterday it, with the Giants, you yeah. right? Uh, teams teams just you you have to go back to the drawing board and, and show an ability to adapt, and and that's the thing. They they, they there is no ability to adapt, and now it's just. Not exposing the defense, but you would have to feel bad for this defense. They're on the field like yeah. every three minutes because and the offense is three and out.
1: And they are one of the best defensive I, I've I ever know. seen. I, they're just ridiculous, they, hard-hitting guys that just know how to play football. They get
2: to the quarterback. They're, they're good on, on every level. They're deep. I don't know if you, how much you want. But even the kid McDonald, they traded in the first round. Like Now he's finally playing, yeah. and he's, he's, he's coming off the ball quickly too. So – it, again, this is always—it's always about next year with the Jets, and that's that's—it's like the Mets too. Like yeah. it's always about next year. I, I, my guess is Zach Wilson won't be back, but he's in—he's in his third year, right? third year. But they'll probably trade him or waive him for for some uh, I think they'll probably trade him. Well, they're, they're going to ask him where he wants to go probably. No, they'll probably just waive him cuz it's the th- last year of a rookie deal. They probably won't won't be that big of a tack uh, of a cap hit. Aaron Rodgers will, will will come back. And and the only reason but I we would keep sign this off decent backup. Well, that's the other thing, yeah. right? Like look at look at the number of teams that have backups right now. The Raiders, the Redskins, the Vikings, Browns. the Browns, and they're winning. Yeah. Right. So like it's also what is the front office doing that they even thought Zach Wilson could be a backup because Not even c- that.
1: Uh, sorry to cut you off. No, man. go ahead.
2: I think they should have traded the six round pick for Josh
1: Dobbs. That guy was balling out I know. with the Cardinals I know. and the Jets. I don't want to ruin your day, but they have, like we said before, one of the best defenses and this window's closing like like we're seeing with the Bills. The window's closing. Gardner's got I'm not saying Gardner but even the old other
2: guys the right. linebackers well namely um, Mosley yeah Mosley right. Mosley's um, they're going to be the, the biggest problem but they they do have depth they the team is young to the to Joe Douglas's credit he has gotten a lot of guys off of Free agency off of practice squads. I mean, Qu- Quincy Williams is a, is a is was cut from the Jaguars yeah. and he signed him. So a large part of football is finding those pieces that don't go drafted that are that are cut from a roster and on a practice squad. And he's done a good job of that. So I I'm confident. And Sal is a a, a defensive coach. What will probably happen is they'll keep Hackett because, listen, I don't think Hackett was there because they thought he was some mastermind. I think he was there because Aaron Rodgers wanted him to be there. And I don't know if you saw this video on the, and I don't want to make much out of just you know short videos, but um, there was that video of Hackett making a third down call and and, and Rodgers was on the headset and yeah. you saw him just like, shake his head. Because if Aaron Rodgers was on the field, he would have known what play to make. It's like that Peyton Manning yeah, yeah, mentality. Yeah. Like Peyton Manning just knew what, what audible to call. Yeah. And I guess Hackett is, and, and this is, of course, not a good thing right now, but he's an easygoing enough guy probably where he doesn't mind if the veteran quarterback is going to make a change. The problem, of course, becomes when it's not a veteran quarterback that can make a change like a Zach Wilson, and you're not calling the right plays, yeah. Then then it becomes a problem. So um, the NFL is, uh, and the, the, the frustrating part is the AFC is totally wide open. Uh, the Ravens are definitely beatable. Even the Chiefs, because listen, the Jets almost beat the Chiefs. Yeah. Think about that. The Jets are the only team to beat the Eagles. And, and the only team this season to beat the Eagles. Yeah. They also caught the Eagles <sighs> on a bad day, though. Who ca- I don't, Yeah, but that's football. Teams have bad days. You should have beaten the Raiders. You could have beaten the Chargers. You should have beaten the, the Chiefs. So like you, you, that's the to thing for you though, have they, to beat those they, teams uh, on bad
1: days. Not to make excuses for the Jets but the the, the refs kind of blew them out of that Chiefs yeah. game.
2: But you can't blame the refs cuz you put yourself in a spot where you rely on the refs yeah. to make the right calls and exactly. you know this as a sports fan when you rely on the refs yeah. there's a chance they make a bad call. So th- those things those things happen as well. The um, the tough thing though with the AFC 2 is that it's so you
1: said it's wide open but it's also so stacked where it's hard for a Jet. Like, the Giants, let's say they won two or three more games, they're still comp- They're not in a race for the playoffs probably anymore. Yes, they are, but they're not going to make it. The Jets still have a chance, but it's like, do they? Because you've got so many of these good teams. I mean, the Bengals, you don't know how they're going to look anymore, right. but there's so many good teams in the NFC where I think the NFC, the top is very loaded, and I think the
2: bottom kind of shivels out. Right, but that's, that's what's going to make it hard because I, I don't think anyone is – the, the three teams in the NFC are the, are the 49ers, the Eagles, Eagles and I, I think the Lions the are Cowboys. really the third one. The Cowboys, I'm just skeptical about because Dak has never produced in yeah. the playoffs. Well, but no, the, the they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not oh, yeah, going to do yeah. anything in the playoffs. Right. yeah, but And again, it depends how it lands. Like uh, My guess is the 49ers will be the two-seed, the Eagles will be the one-seed. But if something weird happens, and let's say the Lions end up as the two-seed and the 49ers end up as the three-seed, you know then you can have a that's where you get like weird situations right because as good as the lions are they're a young team they haven't been in the playoffs before right so let's say the 49ers play the eagles in in the in the conference semifinals and a team like i don't know um the cowboys I, Let's say the Giants make the playoffs, right? And they end up playing the Lions in the semifinals. You could beat the Lions probably on any given Sunday. I mean, the Bears just are masters at losing games they're supposed to win. And then you go into the NFC Championship, right? And you take a chance and you play. Weirder things have happened than, yeah. than beating the Eagles or the 49ers. I get what you're saying about the AFC. Every game is going to be a tough one because while there's no top team that's somewhat unbeatable... Even if you go into the playoffs, right? Like if the Bills get in, you're gonna still have mm-hmm. to face Josh Allen. The Bills, you still mm-hmm. have to face the the Jaguars. But like none of the, the Browns. The those teams don't worry me though. No. Like that's the thing about the Browns. That's the the frustrating Browns worry thing. me only because they don't have a quarterback. But their defense is that very, defense very is bad. good. That defense is. I don't very think bad. that kid's bad though. No, he's from not UCLA. He's not. He's bad. I don't think Deshaun Watson's that good. But they're stuck with him in a big contract for the next few years. Right. So how
1: would you handle that? With the Deshaun Watson, he has been great. You're paying him a lot of money. Yeah, I, I you think... You can't really get rid of him because it's going to... It's right. like it's like the Giants situation. Like, if you get the first pick, are you drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May? Or mm-hmm. does it look bad if you, you draft them and then you gave Daniel Jones $40 million a year?
2: It goes back to what I was saying a little while ago. I, I guess... I don't know his, his salary offhand, but I know it's pretty hefty. Daniel so Jones or Watson. Watson. I think it's like... 40 50 million million, a year right so i i there are things the nfl depending on when you cut someone you can stretch the the salary cap hit i i don't know if that's true for him but you know listen like i i i just said a little while ago like you got to find cheap pieces if you're going to be stuck with a a a big a, a big court a big contract like that and and build that way i mean I don't know who's up for free agency in Cleveland, but um, they're, they're going to, they're going to be in a bit of trouble. This is why you don't sign quarterbacks like that, unless they're proven like a Patrick Mahomes, right? Just because they, they Watson was proven with, with the Texans. Yeah. But also they were signing him off of this year where he had to sit out the whole year because of the off the field issues. And it, 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 it wasn't ideal. And listen, like it's the same thing. It's the same thing with the jets. Like, unless you have that proven young quarterback right like just go get someone serviceable like a Josh Dobbs like a Mark Sanchez you know I think back like a Ryan Fitzpatrick who can just manage the game not make dumb decisions can call the audible on the line and, and don't Pin, don't tie yourself down with a a, a huge contract. I mean, again, look at the 49ers, them too, right? Yeah. Like they they they're on these better deals. And the the NFL is it's very hard to get out of bad contracts in the NFL. But it's also
1: tough cuz you find yourself with like the Niners, they're going to have to pay Brock Purdy eventually. Like you're going to have to pay these guys yeah, eventually.
2: Yeah, but I'll tell you this, like if the price isn't right then they'll just find – like, the, the Kyle Shanahan will just find someone else. It's not like Brock Purdy has become the, the next, you know, the, 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 the Bart Starr. Like, he's 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 a good quarterback, but he's – if 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 he's going to want Patrick Mahomes' money – He's not going to want that money, but, no. like, you got to see, right. like,
1: they drafted Trey Lance, he, he didn't work out to anything. You know, like, I think once you find – I think Brock Purdy's the guy, and I think he's going to be the guy. Like, I think you're going to have to pay him eventually, and that's how it's going to go. Right. I don't think they're but just going to, if they can't, like, the Giants, and
2: they couldn't negotiate money with Jones, and they still worked things out because they thought he was the mm-hmm. guy. So They'll have to figure that out. But that's the perk of, of finding these young quarterbacks, and that's why Seattle won. That's why uh, you know a bunch of teams won during the early years of these quarterbacks because they had them under good contracts. They could use the money on other pieces. So the 49ers are in a good spot now. But like every other team in the NFL, you can't go over a salary cap, so you'll either have to trade some of these pieces or bring in a new quarterback, or it, it's it, it that's the complexity of it. It's but you it's tough too, because like when did these contracts get so high for the
1: quarter? I feel like mm-hmm. years ago it was like thirty-eight million right. a year, and now it's fifty, fifty-five. It's like ridiculous at this point. Yeah, I and think what is it two hundred two hundred million a year? So that's yeah, that's a fourth of. Mm-hmm. Your salary cap just going to one quarterback who's
2: the only. Let's be honest, the only guy who really deserves it is Mahomes, right? Fifty a year. The only guy who deserves it is Mahomes, right? But but the, it's a market, so when Mahomes gets it, then suddenly everyone yes, else wants exactly. wants yeah. the big deal. And and I I think and hurts Jalen hurts too. Sure, um, he still has to win a Super Bowl, but he's worth it. I he'll he'll get it. Oh, I don't know if he'll get a Super Bowl, but he'll he'll get um he'll get a good contract. No, he um, has a, he was signed. Oh, he just signed. Yeah. This, who else just signed though? Someone else just signed. It doesn't matter who. But I I think what Burrow, happens Right. Burrow, Burrow. Right. I think what happens oh, in Look at him. He's in the. Air. I know. But I think what happens in, in the NFL is is um those complementary pieces are just entertain interchangeable, right? Look how many star wide receivers there are in the NS, uh, uh, SEC and, and in other places. So, um it's it it's it, it it's about scouting and it's about, like I said, getting those pieces that don't make the squad and, and having a system. And th- that's why a lot of you know coaches get fired because it's it's so much about the system and the pieces and and um, especially now with yeah co- quarterbacks getting big contracts, it's uh it's tough. But we'll we'll see what the Jets and Giants do. Um, any b- baseball free agency before we go?
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, what do you think? What do you think the Yankees are going to do? I don't know.
2: I don't. I, I really don't know what they're going to do. I. I <laughs> it's such like about a weird bad spot. contracts. Yeah, like that, that's yeah. that's a team who's just stuck with a bad contract. Did you hear what uh, the GM said about Stanton the
1: other day? Some. I. I remind me. Like I do. <laughs> it was something about him being hurt yeah. and never playing, in the money. Like who right. says that about their
2: own player? I. It seems like. Brian Cashman has a lifetime contract with the Yankees yeah. I, I don't think uh, I don't think the Steinbrenner children really want to run the organization I don't think they want to be bothered and bring someone else new in uh, again we've discussed this like a lot of it's about culture like they're the Yankees there's a culture there's a system in place there's a hierarchy and once you bring in a new GM then you're suddenly bringing in a lot of new pieces right and you're bringing a lot of new pieces and if it doesn't work out, you could really damage the Yankee the the Yankee brand, and I don't think they want to do that. So I just think it's a lifetime contract, and he can say and do whatever he wants, for good or for bad. But I don't I don't I don't really ever see them getting rid of Brian Cashman. Yeah, I I just think that's.
1: What do you think fun. about the uh, tournament in the NBA going on? I think it's. I cool. don't get it. I don't get it either. But I, I think it's it. cool. I like. I the don't courts, like the I
2: courts. Like the I I agree with Jalen Brown. I think they're prone to injury by playing on these courts. They're not used to playing on courts of this color. Some of them are just like this red orange. Like yeah. how do you even see the basketball in some yeah. of them? And, and I'm not it saying looks like college almost. Yeah, it's a little too showy for me. I listen. I I'm all about new ideas and giving things a try. I just I I don't so. It, I Guess what? They're playing on the weekends only. Is that what they're doing? And then I don't it even goes know how it there? works. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, like sometimes I'm watching a basketball game and it's a regular court. So I think to myself, oh, okay, this is yeah. a regular season game. And then I'm watching this multicolored court yeah. and I realize it's a tournament game. But if you, if I were to ask you right now, like the, the, the different, what are they even called? Like divisions or, 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 uh, or different, no idea right? Works, like yeah. you, no one knows. And that's the other weird part about it. They're, they've been, they've been put into these random, divisions or or random groups i'm not really sure how how you i guess it's like soccer where you have to get out of the group but and all of these games count towards the regular season except for the semifinals and the finals i don't know like uh, is a team really going to win this tournament and you know and and be standing center court celebrating that they won a cup that no one but i guess you have to start somewhere yeah i don't know what
1: do you think about james harden is my is my my next question
2: James Harden, um I didn't like when he said is, he
1: was the system. Like yeah,
2: I didn't like James him. Harden is is the problem with American basketball. Yeah. And I say American basketball because outside of the US they're developing great players. Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, Luca, right? Like and in this country we're developing a brand of, of player who's shoot first, has to be on the ball, doesn't play defense, whether it's him or Westbrook or so many of these uh, American players. I, I I mean, you look at the team we put out this summer for the World Cup, right? Like, they, they weren't good. Yeah. They were – I shouldn't say that. They were good. They weren't great. Yeah. And we saw that when they lost. And we can dissect the reasons why. But, uh, again, like, Harden is the epitome of the American basketball player right now. And and w- I don't know what he means by the system like what that everything should go through him yeah. like dude you haven't won a championship every yeah. team you <laughs> and every team you've been on has gotten better when you left yeah. the Clippers the Rockets the Nets now the Sixers like you're not the system dude you're the, the problem. problem exactly yeah I totally agree yeah. 100%. And it's a big problem in this country. And I think if you, when you talk to PayPak, he, he talks about it all the time, the amount of money and the amount of, you know, that investment goes into these travel teams and these club teams, right? Like AAU basketball. AAU basketball is probably teaching all of these American uh, boys to play this way. Yeah. They're probably all being taught to play basketball the way that James Harden's being taught to play basketball. And, um... If, if, you, if you were to ever read about the problems in St. John's basketball, I don't know if you remember this, but St. John's used to be one of the top programs in the country. And it's a long article, but one of the, one of the main points is there was a time in New York City where the 12 or whatever, 20 best high school kids would play basketball together. Yeah. And you know this, like in basketball, not just basketball, but in this case, basketball, you enter a gym, you want to be the best person on the court. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You don't want to be the best person on the court. Right. You want to be playing against kids who are better. And, and that was what made New York City basketball so good. But now it's just diluted. Everyone's got a travel team, everyone's got a club team, everyone's playing against you know anyone who could foot the bill, right? You know, you're know you raising your eyebrows, but you agree no, yeah, with me, I agree, yeah. right? So in this country, and that's a basketball problem. Yeah. It, the best kids are not playing against each other. They're being, you know, f- there's a factory at IMG Academy or whatever, you know, all these different prep schools, but we, we don't, we're not teaching the game the right way. I, and that's just evident if you look at the NBA now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steph's, Steph's an aberration because his father was a great player and he's, I really think he's just a special player, but um, I mean, you can, you can say what giddy or home grin, right? Like, yeah, we'll see. They're a little early in their career, but they're, they're definitely, they're, they're definitely off to a good start. Yeah. But if I were to ask you to, you know, even put together an Olympic team for next summer to win a gold medal, you're not, you're going to say, Durant, LeBron, yeah. I guess Embiid's going. I mean, do you really want Embiid after eighty plus games going to play, you know, for for a gold medal? I don't know what they're going to produce. But who are the young players you're sending? Yeah. Not ones that are gonna win a champion or win a gold medal. Yeah. That's my basketball take. We did, we went long today. Yeah, we did I long. hope Aiden post this. He <laughs> might he might tell us it's too long. All right, you're good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. All right, good job of Mr. Kronk. Thank you. Good interview? Yeah, it was good. All right, we got we'll get Digitano back in for round two. I guess we shouldn't tell everyone, but it didn't didn't work out the first time. (laughs) Audio problems. All right, we're good? Yep.
1: Thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you, Mr. Seamer, for coming on. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Mr. Kronk. Have a good one. We'll see you guys next week. All
2: right.